Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar-related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on backup gear. For the first few years of tour, I lived dangerously. One acoustic, one electric, one amp, one set of pedals, no spare cables, and no backups. I mean, none, until that faithful day occurred. We arrived at the venue and set up our sound system. We had a pretty full band. I mean, there were seven of us, and I was placed kind of downstage to the right, which, if you're sitting in the audience, that means that I was up front and to the left. During the concert, the bass player was running around, and he accidentally knocked over my amplifier. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. The bass player actually moves. Yes, the bass player actually moves, and he did a really good job with it. But back to the story. He ends up knocking over my amplifier, which is mic'd with a Shure SM57. As the amp started to move towards the ground, the microphone went through the grill cloth and through the cone of the speaker. Good news is that it is a 210 combo. So my Fender 210 combo had another speaker and we were able to move on. The downside is that the amp landed on my pedal board. And when it landed on my pedal board, it ended up hitting my visual sound Jekyll and Hyde pedal, breaking the green side, breaking the only overdrive that I had on my pedal board. After that, I realized I should probably have some spare gear. But what gear do I need? How much of it do I need? Is there room to bring it? And can I really afford backup stuff? We are going to discuss this and more on this episode of The Tweed Couch. First, I would like to give a shout-out to Bob Weil of Then Visual Sound and now True Tone. This is not a sponsored therapy session by True Tone, but they deserve the positive press for going above and beyond in customer service. When this incident occurred, I was playing music with a ministry band, and we were in the middle of nowhere for three weeks and we had concerts booked almost every night. I emailed Bob about what happened, and he emailed me right back, right away, and he said, I'll fix it for free. When the owner contacts you and says that they will fix it for free, you get that thing out stat. I sent it out, and it was back in my hands within 10 days. Bob, if you hear this, thank you for helping pre-Dr. T out on the road in the year 2000. Alright, back to the session. This one story reveals that you never know what is going to happen and when you will need backups just in case. Let's start with the items that are most likely to fail. Hands down, the easiest thing to fail is a guitar cable. Whether it is the cable that goes from your guitar to your pedal board, or the patch cables between the pedals, or the cable to the amp. One bad solder joint can cause frequency loss, crackles, or worse, no signal at all. You know what I'm talking about. Something doesn't sound right, or you have no signal making it to the amplifier. So you start jiggling cables in a fury and taking pedals out of the chain and repatching everything in a hope to quickly diagnose the problem. (sighs) It's so frustrating. Keeping a variety of patch cables as backups are an easy 
and inexpensive way to ensure that your signal path stays as true as possible all show long. I like to have at least one extra 15 foot instrument cable and three to four extra six inch to 12 inch cables just in case. There are a lot of brands out there that make patch cables. So if you don't know which cable to get, you know, you could always just make your own. It's really not that hard to make your own quality custom length patch cable for under like 10 bucks a piece. I like the square plug SP400. I also like the cable that is the Mogami W2314. These small low profile plugs are really great for someone who has very little real estate on their board because they have so many pedals packed on it. If you aren't a handy solderer or don't trust yourself, you can purchase these cables online for just a few dollars more. I've also used Livewire, Monoprice, Hosa, Rockboard, and the various cheap Radio Shack color cable types. With the exception of the cheap Radio Shack cable types, there is not much of a difference between any of those others. Actually, those Rockboard cables are low profile too, and they're really great. My least favorite and least dependable cable, outside of the old Bucket Cable Radio Shack brand, is solderless. Yeah, it's quick, it's easy to make, but I've also found it's just as quick and easy for it to become unreliable. To be fair, I haven't tried all solderless styles, but I have tried Planet Waves and I have tried George L's. Both have had their issues and both were not my style. So let's move on to the second most possible to fail, the guitar itself. Of course, string breakage is what most people think of. There's an amazing Stevie Ray Vaughan video out there of him breaking a string. Basically, he was playing Look at Little Sista when all of a sudden his high E or his B ended up breaking. His guitar tech, Renee Martinez, came out with a new guitar. Stevie unplugged, and while he was singing a soulful line, plugged in the new guitar, and Renee was putting the strap onto Stevie's guitar while he was starting to play his soulful licks. It was like he didn't even miss a beat. Seriously, if you have not seen this, you have to see this. Just go to YouTube and just type in Stevie Ray Vaughan String Breaks. I'm telling you, you will thank me later. But a string breaking is not the only thing that can go wrong. I was playing a concert in Faribault, Minnesota one time, and the opening band was sound checking. The guy's signal was cutting in and out while he was playing. We determined that it was the input jack. He didn't have a backup, so I let him use my guitar. At another show, I was in Fort Worth, Texas, and I put my Strat with Texas Special Pickups in the middle position, and the pickup was dead. I mean, dead. Position 1 sounded like position 2. Position 3? Gone. Position 4 and position 5 sounded the same. After the show, I checked, and sure enough, the pickup was dead. Not a cold solder joint, not the switch, the pickup was dead. There was another time that I was playing in Colleyville, Texas. I was using an Epiphone Sheridan. Okay, It's a pretty cool looking like 335 style guitar. Well, what I noticed was that the the strap button was a little bit loose before I started to play. And I went, well, 
it'll probably be fine. Well, four songs into the set, all of a sudden, the strap button lets go, and it shears off the screw. So now I'm just standing there, holding on to an Epiphone Sheridan guitar. That's a big semi-hollow body. So what I was left to do was sit and play the rest of the set. I mean, it was kind of like B.B. King sitting and playing. That is, if B.B. King was a Christian artist. Back in 2008, an interview with David Evans, to most of us, he's known as The Edge of the band U2, was done. He talked about his trusty 1976 Gibson Explorer and the reason for it needing a headstock repair. Evidently, they were playing a show and the security was trying to calm down the crowd. Finally, the security had hit a breaking point and started to wail and pound on the audience as they became more rowdy. The Edge saw this and tossed the guitar off to run and stop the brawl. When he came back, the guitar headstock was dangling from the neck. This just goes to show, you never know what will break. And all of this to say, a set of strings in your case will not be enough to guarantee the show will go on should you have a problem arise on your guitar. The next biggest guitar equipment fail I have ever dealt with is pedals. We're not talking about cables anymore. We're talking about the actual, physical, pedal. Most commonly, it is the switch that dies. You stomp, nothing. You stomp again, crackle, and nothing. Or the reverse happens. You stomp, it doesn't turn off. You stomp again, and it crackles, but stays on. So what do you do? Well, usually you play with the switch some between the sets and ta-da! You've got another couple of songs out of it before it starts happening all over again. So what do you have left to try? Well, maybe there's the Nintendo blow into the cartridge trick where you you know, and you try and blow the thing out. But no, that's not going to work. And oh, maybe you try the bang it on the floor and see if it starts to work trick. Uh, no, that's not going to work either. Actually, there are two things that you could do. One is have a physical backup of the pedal. And the other is to have some tools to try and fix it. Let's start with the first one. Have a backup pedal of the same style. If you love the $400 TS-10 Tube Screamer, well then, try the $80 TS Mini as a backup. It's easy to shove in a case or a bag because it's really small. Well, maybe 80 bucks is too much and a $35 Joyo Vintage Overdrive, the JF01, that's a good option because it's so cheap. If you love the $1,500 Klon, then maybe you keep the $80 Electroharmonic Soul Food in the case. If delay is the main staple of your sound and you cannot live without your $400 Eventide Time Factor or your $450 Strymon Timeline, then buy a DD20 Giga Delay for $150. Actually, if you want a backup of a whole pedal board, like an entire pedal board for under $200 used, buy a Line 6 M9. That thing will do it all. If you need a bit more flexibility and maybe some more options, 
Well, for around 400, 425, you can usually find a Line 6 HX effects that can get you more sounds and more versatility. And actually, that thing is so versatile, we may need to do a whole therapy session on what it does and what its limits are. But if you don't have the cash to buy backup pedals or multi-effects, then there may be another option for you. Option two will work in a pinch most times. Having a few tools like a small screwdriver, some pliers, a wrench, something that can help to tighten knobs or input jacks or even get you to the battery compartment could help you if you're ever in a bind. Actually, another great idea is to keep a $12 bottle of Deoxit D5. Okay, a quick story. My brother owns an Ibanez TS10 tube screamer from Japan. He bought it used in the 90s as an addition to his TS9 tube screamer he already owned. After a while, the switch started to give him fits. He gave it to me to fix. Well, long story short, there aren't a lot of replacement parts for a TS10 switch that's going out. So I put it in a box to work on it later. Okay, fast forward 12 years later. I found it in a box and went, oh crud, I never fixed this. By now, I figured my brother had forgotten, and so I asked the question, should I even bother fixing it? Is it even worth anything? So I looked up the value, and I was floored. Evidently, John Mayer started using one back in like 2010, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, he used one back in the late 80s. Well, they don't make these anymore. And they're becoming harder and harder to find, especially from Japan. And so that drove up the price. So I decided that, yes, yes, it is worth it. And it is something that needs to be fixed. So I started showering the web looking for parts. And the cheapest I could find was a part that I would have to modify to make it fit. And it still would cost me $45 shipped to my door. 45 bucks. For a switch, most switches cost like 15 cents. So I went, yeah, that's not what I'm interested in. But then I ran across a forum where a guy said that these switches were prone to getting dirt in them. And they would act like the switch was failing. All he did to fix them was he sprayed some Deoxit D5 or some WD-40 in the switch and then click it like 50 times. So I tried it. It's worked like a champ since. So leave it in the car, leave it in the van, leave it on the bus, put it in a musician's first aid kit, whatever you need to do, you need to have something like this around you. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Okay, so let's go to the next one. The next backup that is pretty much essential for any electric guitar player is an amplifier. Now, I've gone out on tours and gigged for over 20 years and played thousands of concerts. I've had my share of scares, but I really was never worried about not having a backup amplifier. 
Sure, I had a mishap with a Fender 210 combo that I mentioned earlier. Sure, I've blown a fuse in a Mesa at a little coffee shop and had to replace it. Of course, I've also had some tubes fail. They became noisy or they started to rattle and they even blew in like my Vox, which luckily happened at home, and my Dr. Z, which actually happened twice, which fortunately both times happened at a festival where they had lots of gear on site. So yes, I've had issues, but I was able to be bailed out by someone with an amp already present at the venue or spare parts that I kept in a bag. With exception to the 210 combo, all these things occurred before the concert or during the sound check. But nothing has made me more of a proponent of a spare amplifier than a set I played last year. I was at LifeFest, which I mentioned in the last episode. Excellent festival, awesome family atmosphere, great Christian artists, and honestly, it's worth going to. At this festival, I had the honor and privilege of playing guitar for Jonathan Cain. For those of you that don't know who Jonathan Cain is, he's the keyboard player for the band Journey. Yes, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame keyboard player for Journey, who wrote songs faithfully and don't stop believing honestly how that happened was a trip and maybe someday i'll share but let me tell you it has a lot to do with who you know being in the right place at the right time and having the chops to pull it off anyway back to the story i was using the festival's backline fox ac30 amplifier For those that don't know what backline means, it means a piece of equipment that is used by the musician for creating sounds on stage, like a keyboard or an amp, drums, even a guitar. Usually these items are owned by the venue or rented from a secondary company. Okay, so I was using this backline AC30. Everything sounded great during soundcheck. A few hours later, We started playing in front of about 20,000 people. The first song felt and sounded good. But during the second song, something started to sound weird. It was like the amp was quiet and then it got louder. First thought, the in-ear pack is on the fritz or my in-ear cable is bad. Nope, all other instruments, they sounded good. Second thought, cable. So I had a spare close and I switched it out. Nope, that's not it either. Third thought was the guitar wireless unit. I checked. Full strength, full signal. Nope, that's not it. So there was one thing left that made sense to me at the time, and that was the amp. There was still signal coming through. It just slowly waved between quiet and normal volume. So... I turned it up a little and I used my dynamics and I used some volume on the guitar to nurse my way through the parts for the remainder of the set, which ended with Don't Stop Believing, which funny enough, that is when the AC30 started to work fine again and the issue was kind of resolved. So yes, I truly believe more than ever now, if you're going to play, especially a big show, something that is career-defining or extremely memorable, possibly a -a once-in-a-lifetime performance, 
make sure that you have a backup amplifier of some kind. So what does a backup amplifier look like? Well, I really lump them into three categories. Category one, exactly what you have. If you use a Marshall JMP2204 head into a 412 cabinet, then you should have another one ready to go. But of course, that can be real expensive. So maybe category two is really where you wanna be. Category two is something different that you still like. If you have a Marshall 2204 into a 412, well maybe you carry a Fender Hot Rod DeVille or Deluxe or Blues Junior. Well it's clearly not the same, but it's smaller, less expensive, and easier to tuck in a trailer. They're also combos, which means that you can use them as a backup amplifier or possibly even a backup cabinet in a pinch. Maybe you could also keep it on stage and make a cool like stereo rig or something like that. I don't know. My third category is something digital, like a Strymon Iridium or an HX Stomp. If that is too expensive for a backup, well, the Joyo or the Amun American Sound Pedals are like 35 bucks, and you can get a decent sound from them to get you through a set in a pinch. But you know what? We'll talk budget later on whether you can handle a $400 Strymon Iridium or a $35 Joyo American Sound or AC Tone or British whatever. So you get the idea. Actually, if you were looking for that all-in-one backup system, then maybe you were needing like a $1,700 Kemper or Helix or Fractal or maybe you need a $1,200 Helix LT, or a $1,000 Headrush, or a $450 PodGo, or $350 Zoom G5N. These are all-in-one units that can be plugged direct into a soundboard with not only effects, but amp simulation. If you have not checked out any of these products, I highly suggest it. The last backup piece of gear that I highly recommend is dependent on whether you use in-ear monitors or not. If you use in-ear monitors, then you know how devastating it is to get to a venue and realize that you left them at the last venue, or you left them at home, or the cable in it stops working in one ear or both. So having a backup set is a lifesaver. Now, I use custom molds, and I have a pair of Shure IM215s as a backup. They're around 100 bucks, but I only use it as a backup because it came with my Shure in-ear system that I bought about two years ago. If I were to purchase a pair of backups now, I'd get the Linsol KZ ZS10 Pros. They're about 50 bucks on Amazon, and they sound every bit as good as my $400 custom molds, except they aren't custom molded to my ear. All right, let's say that you've got all this taken care of. Everything is good. You have backup gear. Now what? Well, something I like to do is make a backup bag. One might also call it like a musician's first aid kit. I like to add things like a dozen picks and three to four patch cables, a few tools like we mentioned earlier, a brass slide, because even though I prefer glass, 
glass breaks. I know because I've done it twice. Um, and also, a capo, a couple of set of strings, an extra wireless cable, and some spare double A's and 9-volt batteries, an extra set of in-ear buds, and of course, a headstock tuner. Now, it's obvious for most of these because I've already talked about why you may want to have these, but you may not understand a headstock tuner. I mean, after all, most of you probably have a tuner on your pedal board, on the floor. Sometimes you are at a concert and the opening band is playing, or you're waiting to head on to stage and you want to keep that suspense of the crowd. Well, nothing spoils the power of an opening song more than an instrument that is out of tune. So a headstock tuner will allow you to quickly tune the guitar off stage, and then before you run on stage, just take it off your headstock, and you can put it in your pocket or toss it next to your pedal board or possibly just stick it on your amp, wherever it is that you need to put it so you don't lose it. Now, some of you will say, tune after sound check, it'll be fine. But those people usually have never played at a venue that fluxes with humidity and temperature. For those of you that play at church or at home, you'll probably notice that you can tune the guitar on Thursday and it'll be fine on Sunday. For those of you that play outdoor events, you know that you're tuning and a lot of times you're tuning all show long because of the temperature and the humidity flux. There was actually a really cool interview that was done with uh, Brothers Osborne. They were talking about playing at the CMAs, and they had these flames that were going up around them, and they were having a tough time keeping their guitars in tune because they went from the dry atmosphere that they had to all of a sudden an even drier atmosphere with these flames coming up around them. It's pretty interesting. Anyway, the point to all of that is, is that you don't necessarily know. So it's good to have that guitar, at least your opening guitar, off stage, tuned, ready to go, so that when you walk on stage, it is the best foot forward that you can do for your band. Okay, so the point of an accessory bag is to have anything that you need at a moment's notice at your disposal. I have seen people put a string lubricant in their bag like Freddy's. I've seen people put extra cloth in their bag so they can wipe the sweat off of their brow. I've seen a friend of mine keep glue and toothpicks in his bag so he can reset his guitar strap buttons in case they tore off during the show or to put glue on his fingertips in case they got really raw while he was playing. This really can become a first aid kit for you and your guitar. Okay, our time is almost up for this session and we should start closing things down. It is that time again when we need to discuss what is your goal and what is your budget. If you are a hobbyist, the backups you need are minimal. Obviously, you need to have some spare picks and strings, maybe some string lubricant and a set of spare tubes, but don't discount that you are doing something that you love to do. If you feel the need to have a spare cable or pedals or a multifex, do it. This is something that you do as enjoyment, not as one more thing that you have to do on your to-do list. When inspired, you need to play and enjoy the moment, not be searching the internet 
for the best price on a pack of strings because you just broke your B string. If your budget is enough to get a spare guitar, pedals, and an amp too, well then do it. Stay inspired in the moment. If your hobby extends to playing out, like a friend's house, or a coffee shop, a backyard bash, a church, whatever, you likely have people counting on you to be ready to play even if your gear begins to fail. So really, you need to be prepared, and there are so many simple options to stay prepared. When I play at church, I put a $35 Joyo American Sound in my bag as a backup. Is that as good as my $400 Strymon Iridium? No, that's nowhere near as good. But will it work in a pinch? Yes. But if you are a professional, I mean, it is your job. You're the worship leader, the coffee shop player, the band at the bar, the gal in the gazebo, the band in the sand, the hired gun having fun, the artist working the hardest... You get the idea. Then you need backup gear that fits your needs. If your budget allows, then you need comparable gear in case your stuff starts to fail. If you play a PRS Custom 22, then you should have at least an Epiphone SG or a PRS SE model in your backup stable. If you play a Vox AC30, then you should have an AC-15 or a Strymon Iridium in the van. If you have a $15,000 pedal board and you can't make the music you do without it, then you better figure out some way to have a backup. Whether it's some Line 6 M9s or HX effects or Zoom G3s, it doesn't matter. You need it. If all this hinges on you being able to hear yourself, make sure you have batteries and a spare set of earbuds. Of course, strings, picks, and cables, they're all important. But you are a professional. Act like one. Have stuff on hand so you can complete your job. As we bring the session to a close, let's focus on what we've talked about and on the purpose of what you're doing. Maybe your gear is solid, or maybe you're a hobbyist and you want to risk not having a backup. Maybe the gear you need is too expensive, and the something that works in the last case scenario is a $200 Epiphone Special 2 and a $450 Line 6 Pod Go. No matter what you choose, be prepared for the gigs ahead and keep some extra cables, picks, and strings. Stay inspired when you play and keep the music flowing. Well, that concludes our session of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. My name is Dr. T, and remember, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I have fun talking gear. Until our next time. <laughs>